Welcome to the Shooting the Cue podcast, presented by Heat Riles Barbecue, with tips, tricks, and an inside look with some of the top pitmasters in the game. Now here's your host, Heath Riles. Welcome back to Shooting the Cue. Today I'm joined by my lovely wife. How are you doing today, baby? I'm good. Just good, as always, I'm right? Just good. Well, I'm going to tell you, it's been a long and tiring another week we've had here at work. <laughs> Uh, we've got the Jack Daniels coming up and the Roll Oak Invitational. Um, you know, those are going to be two great events. Um, I'm really looking forward to the Roll Oak Invitational, seeing a lot of people, though, and, and talking in more of a setting where the public's not involved, I think. Where the public's not involved. <laughs> I mean, I think we'll be able, be able to get a lot more done. I'm not meaning that in a bad way, but it's so hard not to talk to all your fans and stuff out. Yeah. We don't get to capture the amount of footage that we really like to capture to – let everybody yeah. see these insides of these events is what I mean by that. I guess I kind of didn't. Yeah. I hope I get it. to go to that this year. I didn't get to go last year to Royal Oak, so mm-hmm. hopefully I get to go this year. It's a great event. I mean, the way they pack the teams in around the lake and it being a week after the jack that they do and some teams travel on over and stay and, and whatnot, it's just a, a really great uh, barbecue contest to be involved in as far as the team goes. Them catering yeah. the meals to the teams, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Yeah. I mean, feeding them all the meals, the p- amount of prize money, providing the meat. I mean, it's just always a great contest for sure. Yeah. So what's been going on down at the farm lately? Well, we've still been uh, building. You know, the building is still going up, still waiting on contractors for different parts. We got all the AC in this week and electrical done out on the first two phases. And uh, now we're getting ready to pour a little more concrete for the patio area. And, uh, haven't been in several weeks. I hope that this is going how it should. Well, I mean, it should. The The outdoor patio is going to wind up being a 40 by 40 outdoor cooking area. So I think that's about the right size patio that we need uh, to house my grills and different cooking apparatuses. Or what? what? <laughs> Apparatus? Is yeah, that I'm what you're doing? Different cooking devices that I have. <laughs> You know, um, honestly, it is definitely a work in progress. I know I keep changing and adding and moving and everything else. And uh, luckily, uh, my contractor is working with me. You know, I see things that I want to change and add and do. And uh, it's costing me money, but uh, we're definitely getting it right where it needs to be. I know we moved 100 and something loads of dirt last week he did and built a pad up and all that kind of stuff and got it leveled off, cleared off a bunch of fence rows, done all that. So it should be uh, real exciting when it's finished. Is there a hole for my pool yet? Is there a hole for your pool? Uh, currently, no. But we have water, so we can uh, make you a mud hole to play in. No. No? You said we could have a pool. Well, we're going to try. <laughs> we'll see what we can do. You know, that brings us to our guests. <laughs> <laughs> is he gonna build me a pool <laughs> no 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 let's bring on kendall adair though from smoked and spiced all right we're back and we're joined with our guest kendall adair how are you doing today kendall doing well thank y'all for having me i really appreciate the opportunity to uh come out and Talk to y'all about my recent life, that's for sure. Well, I mean, we've known you a long time, and for the guests that don't know you, can you kind of tell everybody about yourself and how you got started in barbecue and, and everything? Because you're relatively still young. Yeah, I um, I started 
cooking competition barbecue in 2007 at the South Haven Spring Fest. Um, it was a youth contest. I was 12 years old, and I just loved to cook. And I did 100 chicken recipes and 100 burger recipes leading up to the event and was fortunate enough to get a second place and fell in love with competition cooking. I love every aspect of the competition world. I think that, you know, traveling around and being a cook that gives someone that bite of love that they just remember forever is a feeling that's an awesome accomplishment. And so I really was hooked at an early age. I went through multiple teams. Um, Bill Fuller with Pig Stars is kind of the guy who got me started. He um, helped me learn the proper ways to burn a charcoal fire and how to use wood to flavor that and how to balance a, you know, a competition product. Well, how'd you get started with, with Pig Stars? Why so they- Don, my stepdad, um, he was actually next door neighbors with Bill Fuller. And uh, give you a small side joke here. Uh, Bill is an Auburn alum, architect, very smart. Don is an Alabama fan. Very much, we love, we both love the game of football. Um, Don divorced, had a house out there at Horseshoe Lake, met Bill, they were neighbors. Bill came out, and uh, Don went out of town. He used to keep his yard immaculate, you know, single guy, recently divorced. Alabama lost to Auburn, and Bill brought an Auburn logo and cut it, scalped it into Don's yard about 10 by 10. I mean, huge. Really? You cut it. It was great. So that's how Don and Bill met, and we've been family ever since. I mean, we it's been a running joke, Alabama versus Auburn, for years and years and years. And uh, Bill has been cooking Memphis and May since the early 90s. He's had a multiple top fives. Um, he's definitely been a, a, a legacy Memphis and May barbecue team. Then um, the shoulder division, I wanted to cook more. After competing with Bill, um, he didn't want to cook but more than once a year, Memphis in May. And I said, well, I appreciate it, but I'd like for you to introduce me to somebody. He introduced me to Terry Griffin. Um, and Terry. Man, I miss Terry. Man, he was a, a, a one-man one band. He and really was. that man would do all over NBN, KCBS, Whole hogs. It I didn't seen him about kill himself at Nashville yeah. doing all seven categories by himself. I mean, he was a uh, a legend in his own world. That's for sure. Um, you know, Terry and I we actually started cooking at the Smoking Asus in 2010 was our first event together, um, and so that was when I really got into the the barbecue world um, and to the the mainstream uh, barbecue world. Um, and there again, a couple years with, with Terry, he was cooking, you know, seven, eight, ten contests a year at that time. I wanted more. I was uh, going into high school. I wanted to uh, really compete at the highest level of competition barbecue. So I, I began a friendship with Alan Smith with Boar's Night Out. And um, I went to him and a few other teams at the time and really looked and seen which route I should have should go and how can I elevate my barbecue game. Um, so I went to Boar's Night Out, and at that time they were a team that um, they recently gotten Bob Denton, um, which was actually one of your old teammates with Ten Bones that came over. Y'all kind kinda, of a crazy transition. Yeah. I, I left Boar's Night Out to kind of let them have it. Yeah. 
And then I went over to Ten Bones. Bob cooked with us a year or so, and then he left and went over to B and O. Yeah. So then I him. came in, and we just, you know, we had our little run there, and we had a great time. And um, I, once I graduated, I said, you know, my wife and I decided to start our own thing. You know, figure out what, how are we going to cut our niche in this culinary world? And uh, from there, we've done competitions. You know, that was 2018, 2019. We've done Memphis in May every year. We've done fourth place at Memphis in May this past year. We've uh, SCA. Um, we were 13th in the point standing in the SCA. We've been, I guess, third overall at the world championship. So I've had a lot of top fives. I've been real close to that world title, you know, so – as you've done for a lot of years, I'm chasing that world championship and, and whatever, you know, whatever league of barbecue it is, if it's stakes, if it's Memphis, if it's Kansas City, I want to be the first to win all of them, you know. I think that's something. I that, think everybody's still trying yeah, to accomplish that. exactly. <laughs> for sure. Um, so, you know, my competition background has been really kind of broad. I really enjoy the state cook-offs. Um, well, it really helped you cut your teeth, I think, when you left barbecue uh, to kind of start your own thing. I mean, let's face it, steaks was is one of the things you can get into relatively cheap. Oh, yeah. And cut your teeth, and now they're adding, you know, they're doing ribs, you know, and they're doing well, the, wings. The next and, thing to me with the steak cooking, they've got to figure out what's next. They've got to have something that's – I think they have, and they've got it coming this year. Well, that would be good. I was good. talking to yeah. Brett and Ken – at the A show, and I think they've got some things coming that's going to change some things up, and they definitely have the the one-day events down pat. Oh, that, that they do. And for us now, we know we don't like leaving on a Wednesday and coming home on a Sunday, no, being family. It's a, it's we can't do it. It's a whole week event to get ready yeah. for a barbecue competition. You, you know, know somewhere that. local around here, you can roll in on a Saturday morning and come home Saturday evening. Yeah. And those are very doable for us nowadays, especially with business and family and baby and well, and this, you know. the steak cook-off world is is very family-oriented. Yeah. I mean, the kids' cues, they're big on all that. Um, and I think that that really helped me get prepared and, you know, get started. And I guess what led to MasterChef, uh, I got an opportunity to – I got called from a recruiter, and they said, do you want to come out and be a part of uh, the MasterChef process and see if you can get on the show? I said, man, no, I'm not anywhere near Gordon Ramsay, Master Chef, fancy. That's not me. I'm a barbecue cook, you know. Um, I always said I wasn't a chef. Well, a couple years later, they called me back and convinced me to go give it a shot, you know. What, what made you shoot your shot the second time around? You know, I think that I was new in my trucking business, in the trucking world, and trying to build a foundation for my family. Um, and build something that's, you know, steady. I'm uh, self-made when it comes to that. My parents definitely helped me a lot, but they didn't give me accounts. I mean, if Don and I were, we compete, we work in the same business in the trucking industry. And so if we compete, and if we both had one customer, we're going to compete for it. He's not I know giving Don, it Don's away. Don's been calling me a lot lately. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he said you've been slacking off. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. <laughs> um, and so that's kind of been the mindset as far as the business side of it. Um, and so I just, I said, you know what, I was able to do it. You know, most people can't leave their family for eight to 10 weeks. Yeah. It'd and, be hard for me to do. Uh, and I tell you, that's the hardest part of the whole experience was being away and losing, losing the, the simple life, your normal life. Yeah. You know what I mean? 
your normal life is to get up, you come to come to work, you go home, you cook dinner. Well, I didn't cook dinner for six weeks. I wasn't allowed to cook and eat the food that I, you know what I mean? I could taste it, but I couldn't sit down and eat a meal that I cooked for six, eight weeks, you know? And so you had to eat out when you got back to the hotel exactly. every single day. You can only eat Marriott dinners so many nights in a row before it's just too much. No flavor, no salt, no nothing. Right? Well, did you know there's actually a menu inside the that's not on the menu? There's a menu that's not in the Marriott. So they have steak and eggs, and they have this uh, awesome, it's actually like pretty fresh salmon. So there's a couple good meals that you can talk to. I don't know if it's just that that Marriott that we stayed at out there in Woodland Hills. But uh, it was definitely an experience to live in a hotel for. I was going to say, but you probably get through the, everything on the menu in a week oh, or yeah. less. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? I mean, it, it's it's definitely. And so then you start bringing in the dining dining out. I mean, yeah. um, and the longer you're there, you, did you so know the, you, you can't get DoorDash Ruth Chris? We figured that out. They don't DoorDash uh, Ruth Chris. <laughs> um so did you DoorDash a lot? Or oh, did yeah. The, we did, did Uber Eats, DoorDash. A lot of, did once, they take care of that? Or is so that something y'all had to do? It depends. The process is it changes throughout. Once you When you start out, I mean, there was over 100 people that were. So they're not giving anything. Well, to start out, they're basic. given basic foods. Yeah. But it's basic. And you get two meals a day, and they're going to give you a little money each day, blah, blah, blah. So I... Um, was fortunate enough to make it, you know, in the top 20. And once we got down to a smaller group, things got better. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's, it's, but it's still, it's, I mean, it's a culture shock. I stood on grass one time from the whole time I was there. When I was on concrete in L.A., I mean. Was from, that your first time in L.A., by the way? It was. What was your thoughts of L.A.? Well, I didn't really get a good L.A. Uh, I didn't get to vacation. Experience. Okay. I, you I, had no breaks whatsoever. No breaks whatsoever. I mean, there was one week, I think we filmed four episodes in a seven-day period. I mean, Gordon I is... I understand how busy you are then. <laughs> yeah, we, we we were very busy. Gordon is a machine. Uh, it was amazing to me how he opened a restaurant, filmed two TV shows all in two months. Two different shows, you know. That's so crazy. The man is. Uh, that's called having a set of SOPs and sticking by them is what that's called. And and he's got a crew that comes in and they're perfect at what they do. There's no do overs. There's no double takes. There's no. I mean, there's a reason he's got 14 seasons on Fox on MasterChef. I mean, yeah. currently applying now. If anybody wants to apply, <laughs> y'all sign up. I don't want to be <laughs> on that long. Oh yeah, no. It was. Uh, I, I will. I'm not gonna say I would never do it again because I'm a firm believer to never say never when it comes to opportunities. Um, but it, I would not do it. They will not have me on season 14 for sure. Um, and I would like to do another show that was more in the barbecue wheelhouse. I think the Master Chef was just a little bit outside of my comfort zone. Don't get me wrong. I learned a lot, and I think that I was on the fast track to understanding how. I, mean, I went out there without watching a full season of the show. So I had no, I didn't know what the judges wanted before I got there, and that was my mistake. Um, but I definitely enjoyed the process. The people, as you know, when cooking and all that, you, the people that compete in food sports, they're very unique. And we all have a common love, and that's a passion for food, a passion for, you know, whatever that, whatever your area is, I think that uh, 
you know, that, that's one good thing about people that do food sports. Oh, no doubt. So now that you've got all this going in your career, I know on your website it says rubs coming soon. Yep. So I know, man, you talked about that before. Do you want to go in any detail about that? You know, I'll go into a little bit. I don't know what my next move is. I've got a lot of different opportunities on the table right now. Um, I've got some rubs that I've been playing with that I've made. Um, you know, for years I've used – your rubs, I've used Boar's Knight's rubs, I've used Sweet Swine's rubs, you know, I've used all of the commercial brands. Um, but to me, I feel like you got to have a, something to sell. So I don't know if it's going to be a rub coming first or more of the apparel. And, uh, you know, I've got a couple of new opportunities that got on the table here recently that I'm, I'm seriously looking at. And, and, you know, they're more towards the brick and mortar side of things and, and possibly even doing restaurant um i always said i would never say the word restaurant but i've gotten some opportunities that make me i have to look at that you know um i don't i, I agree i think you have to look at every avenue when when you start changing your course i guess on life and as you get older and and going that way i mean just like me i never thought i'd be sitting in this position i'm in mm-hmm. and i think you have to adapt to really what's thrown on your plate and it's how much you want to eat of it that's right. To figure out how much you can digest of it. You know what I yep. mean? If that's a good way of putting it. Uh, th- this food sport, especially, there's so many avenues to take, whether you want to take the sales product side, the influencer side, you know, repping for other companies, uh, product launches. Or a combination of all. Or a combination yeah. of everything, PR and all that. And uh, and I'm gonna, we kind of do a combination of all of it, I think. And it's uh, it's very hard. Oh, it's a uh, grind. I have a, a But it's fun. It is. It's fun. I respect what y'all have done and, and, you know, being able to sit back and watch y'all grow your brand and build your business is, it's been a really a, a cool thing to do. You know, we growing up in small town, Mississippi. Uh, yeah. There's a lot of barbecue teams around here, but there's only a handful of world-class barbecue teams around here, but there is, we do have a lot of them in this area. Yeah. There's a lot of good cooks around here and I would put up, especially DeSoto County against if you let me pick my number whether Mm -hmm. it's five ten whatever people any amount of money any other region in the country i agree i will go and i'm not scared and i would be they could televise it on tv because i feel like the group of cooks that we have in this area can get it done oh yeah and there and i tell you i think there's a lot of of rivalries in this area there's a lot of friendships there's a lot of different we've competed head to head for years and years and years. It's all about winning at the end of the day. That's and right. who I mean, and a lot of us can laugh and shake hands at the end of the day and all that, and it's good sportsmanship. Some people take it to extreme around here. We know they do. Oh, yeah. And those people, you just had to prove points to them. And I yeah. was a great point prover back in the day when I was cooking. <laughs> <laughs> you did, a, you did a, a wonderful job. and You know, you got really hot, but I feel like – in the competition world, there's been other all. There's always teams yeah. that have their run, you know. Uh, and now you're running how hard. Was, you want to run? That's it. right. And it's a grind. I do not think that my records with the Memphis Barbecue Network will ever be broke. No, I don't either. There will not ever be another team to go twelve for thirteen contests. I, I don't I, see it. I agree. I think that uh, definitely there's the. The gap has so much. Seven was a magic number you know everybody I mean? had. Boar's Not Out had it. Red Hot Smokers had it. 
John David had it. Meyer Mixon had it. Oh, yeah. Everybody was seven grands is all they could do was the most wins. I mean, I done eight one year, and we done nine one year, then I done the 12. And that was very, very hard. Oh, I mean, yeah, it's definitely a grind to be able to do that. I mean, how many contests did you cook in that year total, would you say? 13 NBN. Well, I'm and talking about KCBS. Oh, I mean, how many? 10 KCBS and won five of those. So you probably did 30, 40 contests that year? 13 plus 10, 23. Okay. And I won... 17 out of 23 contests. And that's a, a hell of a year. It really is. I mean, it, <laughs> that was a, that's what else you can say. That was a run that year. Mm. What year was that? Oh, gosh. 2016? I think it was 15 or 16. 15, 16. I had some runs. I know I, I went remember. where I, I would do like, like I said, eight, nine, or ten. So, you but know, every year it was almost double digits. Not to, to downplay the wins, but just to go and compete like that. I mean, that is, y'all know the grind on the vehicles. I mean, you're you're putting tires on twice a year. You know, you blow. How many tires did you blow out in that whole time? Believe it or not, not five on my hand the whole time. I have been running these roads at 80 and 90 miles an hour. I have not had, I've never, knock on wood, had a blowout running like that. Uh, Had one on Batesville on a triple axle trailer. And we had it changed and back on the highway in four minutes flat. Well, you know, barbecue trailers and tires, they, they love each yeah. other. So well, I'm really good about I run nitrous in all my tires. Um, you you use Cecil's balanced. up there and huh? have Cecil's take care of you on all your tires. Well, I have Cecil's, uh, but I'm very particular. If I'm going to be running like that, I make sure I have airbags on my truck so I level out my trailer. And there's a trick to this kind of stuff. I mean, depending oh. on what you're pulling, a bump pull trailer versus a gooseneck. Not overloading a trailer. Know how to well, load a trailer. Well, knowing how to load a trailer <laughs> and where to put the weight at on the yeah. trailer instead of the front versus the back. And if you need to put the weight, the cooler, put it in the back of the truck versus in the front end of the trailer to keep mm-hmm. them wearing it down. I mean, there's so many little tricks like that. And you know, you've I've passed oh. you on the highway. Oh, yeah. I'm not an 85, 90 guy. Uh, I'm about 75, and I'll set it and cruise and – it depends on what I'm I'll pulling. I'll catch Heath as he's I'm a getting lot, his appetizer. I'm a lot calmer than I used to be driving. Now, back in the day, it was nothing when we Oh, was, coming out of Murfreesboro? I mean, that I've, I've come behind you. I know it. It's been I crazy. think the worst that we <laughs> ever drove. It depends on the trailer, too. Yeah. out of Yazoo City, like Mississippi. Those, some trailers are. Oh, yeah. That 40-foot well, I used to pull that, the big B&O trailer all the time. Yeah. When I was 15, 16 years old, running the roads with a 37-foot trailer. I remember coming out of Yazoo City one night, and you called me, and you were running 90. And me and Tracy Beaver passed you and run clean out of sight of you. I was ready to go home that night. Oh, yeah, you and Tracy. Y'all we were running between and... between 95 and 102, 103. That's dumb. I mean, we were going. is what that is. <laughs> yeah. I didn't have any sense back in. I mean, it was just part of it. I'm sorry. I mean, I don't do it anymore, but I just, you know, at a younger age, I was just crazy. Yeah, well, you, you got to be to run and you, compete it was like, like that. a few years you ago. Know? <laughs> it was <laughs> not a few years ago. But. It wasn't even 10 years ago. I know, but I cut all that out. I He's quit. grown up since then. I quit. You know, people used to message me on Facebook when I take a picture of the speedometer, you know, and like I'd have a tire sensor on it, like, you're going to have a blowout and die. I mean, nice. I agree I probably shouldn't have been doing it, but maybe you shouldn't have sent me that text either that said I was going to die. How many messages have you gotten over the years of your driving? Have you ever had any just random traffic people no. reach out? No. We had one time. We were going through Atlanta, uh, and sure enough, 
you know, social media and all your decals on the side of your truck. It's a good thing and a bad thing. They know who you are if you blow by them, you know. It's, you know, it's, it's definitely out. different. Uh, I don't know. I just don't like driving in heavy rain and wind. Mm-hmm. I will say that. Uh, I think anybody likes that. Yeah, well, yeah. especially at nighttime. Yeah. I do not like driving like that at night. Uh, and so if it's not a calm night, you don't see me driving like that. I've never done it. If it's raining, my wife will vouch for me. If when it gets to eight o'clock and it's raining, I'm driving. I don't care if I'm two hours from home. I'll pull over and get a hotel. I just don't mm-hmm. care. Yeah. I'm just not. Not worth the risk. I ain't fighting it. Yeah. I'm not doing it. I'm weird when it comes to that. <laughs> you know, well, going back to you, I asked about the rubs and we were talking about all that. How many years have you competed in Memphis May yourself? Uh, so I started with Smoked and Spice in 2019. Um, we got a 10th place in rib. Um, I think the next year we were 22nd, you know, that you had one judge away from the top 10, two judges away yeah. from finals type yeah. deal. You know that in the rib <laughs> oh, game. Yeah. Um, so I decided this last year to go back and to the shoulder division. Um, and we actually were fortunate enough to get fourth. So, We've been doing Memphis in May as Smoked and Spice now for a few years. And, you going to stay with Shoulder? For now. You know, I actually, when I made the move, I wanted to go to Hog. I mean, as you know, pure odds, yeah. Hog is the best odds to make it into yeah. the top ten or, you know, get your name on stage. And so I was wanting to do Hog, as you have. I've competed with all three over the years. Um, but Shoulder is where I started. Um, and I, at the time, I didn't have the smoker for the hog. And I just, uh, you know, was trying to cut my niche there. And just shoulder was the way. And I uh, was really close to the finals this year. Now, how close were y'all away from finals at fourth? I think we were like five-tenths out. I mean, it was not much. It was less than a point. Um, yeah. And, you know, I, I – It was some really close scores this year. I mean, we were point – one four away at ninth place mm. away from final and, and point two three away from a perfect score. Yes, yeah, I think John David had a perfect score going in. Well, you got you, you and pretty the much other second third place ribs, you have to have the perfect, which is weird. The second third place team didn't yeah. this past year, but historically, yeah, yeah. historically, yeah. when I made finals, wasn't it three of us that had perfect scores or just two of us? Uh, I don't yeah, I don't I'd have to look back. Yeah, I mean, there's always a couple perfect ribs, and that's what it takes there. I mean, to and it was, as it should to win a world championship, it should have to be as perfect as you can be. You know, I will say this: I am glad that if it wasn't me, oh, that it had to be John David. I have to say, to win it with a rib to go and back to be the last contest ever held at Tom Lee Park. Mad respect for John David. I have to give him credit as well. Um, when I came to Boar's Night Out to go back to the story of my evolution of cooking, John David did take me under his wing and show me how to cook one hell of a rib. He took that whole team under his he wing. Did. It was not just you. But but it, me personally, he did a one-on-one rib class. Uh, well, I say one-on-one, me, him, and Guatney. Um, him and Guatney oh, sit at the bar at McAdoo's pretty much the whole time, and uh, they would come out and they showed me one rib, how to prep it, how to trim it, how to wrap it, he said, I'll be here in the morning to put them on. And everybody was like, John David will not be here to put them ribs on. And at 6.15, ribs are supposed to go on at 6. John David walks up the road at Galax, says, baste them every hour. I'll be back in a couple hours. 
And then he went to Mackey Do's and had breakfast and, you know, did all that and came back out and showed me how to do it. And we, you know, really started to run with the rib at that point. Um, and I always said, I told James Cruz weeks before Memphis this year, if anybody number one deserves to win it with a rib right now, I feel like John David has. He's yeah. Melissa robbed him in the year a couple years ago by one tenth of a point. I don't remember exactly. Was it ten or twelve? That was going to be uh, twelve. I think. I think it was twelve. Yeah. Uh, so I feel like John David was definitely. He just needed a new story to sell, yeah. and uh, he had that this year with. And it was a great one. You know, I think that I. I as I was walking out Saturday morning, I overlooked the park. And I was, you know, looking at all the teams. Everybody was firing their smokers up. And John Dalton and Shane were the only light on on their row of t- tents there. And they were prepping their ribs, and they were getting stuff ready. And looking back, I'm like, damn, if I had a photo, <laughs> that would have been, cool. been a really cool photo to, you know, knowing what happened afterwards. Uh, so, yeah, definitely congrats to them. And, you know, they're going to be tough next year too. I think that they definitely oh, yeah. will. John Davis always someone to play with when it comes to – if he makes it in there, he's going to have a story to sell. Well, he said every year he was going to retire. So, it's going to be – I think he'll probably end up passing a torch to John Dalton, if mm-hmm. I had to guess. Because John Dalton done the majority of the work on all the ribs anyway. Yep. He didn't sell them 100%. Uh, you know, John did that. But um, – have you ever judged Sean David on site? I have not. I've not judged very much. I, I've done the training, um, but I've always competed. I, I've just I've never stopped cooking long enough to judge. Yeah. It's an interesting take. We was lucky enough to judge John David, Pat Burke. Mm. Um, who else did we judge? Was Mike Mills there then? No, it was like a not an experience to even talk about the, <laughs> my third team anyways. Yeah, it was just I, such a um, – Who's the guys out of uh, Arkansas? Uh, not redneck. I think we uh, judge different people. Yeah, it it was such a. a was that Crow I mean, Hill, I, Missouri is where that was at. Kennett, Missouri. Kennett, Missouri. Mm. Kennett, Missouri. Kennett. I feel like I, I never went. Never made it to that. One. Heard a lot about it, but never. Man, went to it was Kennett. an old school hot contest. It was hot. I mean, we went <laughs> up with Bob and Angela one time to judge, um, and we had to do the uh, backyard. Mm. Uh, division that was worth the ribs wasn't going uh, all the way. It was so bad. tough. Yeah, was, yeah. Really I've done a few uh, non-sanctioned mm. barbecue contests, and I, I will say, Kendall doesn't judge chicken. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's rough. Well, you know, we've talked about all that. The one thing that we hit on was John David and the park down there in Memphis and May, and you know, we just got the email now confirmed. Yeah, that yeah. it surprise, will not surprise. be not be back in Tom Lee Park ever again. Memphis May is moving over to the Liberty Bowl, Liberty Park, whatever you want to call it. Liberty Land, if you're... Liberty Land. <laughs> Tiger so Lane. I'm going to ask I your mean. thoughts on that, Kendall. What's your thoughts as being a competitive cook and seeing it so many years there? and What's pros and cons, I guess? What what do you see? You know, the Memphis and May moving to Tiger Lane is... I don't know. I'm mixed feelings about it. Logistically, as a team, Excellent. it's one of the best venues that you could have. In, you're out, you're on concrete. My budget went down. I don't have to buy flooring. Um, that's a huge expense that, you know, most teams have to buy every year. I'm going to stop you right there, and I'm going to say that something's going to get added in a mix somewhere because they sold too much flooring the tent companies did, and they're not going to take that much of a revenue hit. Oh, yeah. There's gonna I'm be- a business person, and something ain't gonna make, some, something's going to go up there to, 
to maximize oh, yeah. that. Well, I mean, I said, here's the thing with, with doing that, the prices of Memphis, the cost of Memphis and May has got to go down when it comes to their cost as a business, right? True. And so you would think, you would think, think. that if they're going to make a move, which I guess we are, um, maybe they can make it a little more cost efficient so more teams can can give give it back to the teams. You know what I mean? Let's do if you're going to not do that, let's raise prize money. Let's do something with that extra money other than buy another building downtown, you know? Yeah. I think that I personally would like it to be on Riverside Drive. I think there's enough room. It's a long stretch, but I think that it's a world championship and we need Memphis and May needs to go back to realizing the magnitude of what the event is. I, I it think is, it's Memphis and May realizes that it's just a River Parks Commission that does not care. I don't know what really happened for the city to say, hey, the River Parks is going to run this and have all the total control over it, you know, the core donating yeah. that land. I think there that, was a holdout, the and they thought a holdout would be the way to solve the problem, and instead it's now too late. <laughs> well, you remember me saying year before last, they're going to carry it back down there to show everybody it will never be held down there again. Yeah. I mean, that infrastructure was not built for that. And I, I want to go over, uh, while we're talking about Memphis and May, the sidewalks and all the concrete. You know, in the shoulder division, we didn't have concrete. They had a man-made walkway because that's not the way the park was laid out. Yeah. So how the hell we we could not have messed up any concrete? There was none. You know, I feel like that there's definitely a lot of fibbing going on when it comes to that quote. Candace's parents have a friend that actually worked as an engineer on that job uh, or an architect on some of the drawings, and he enlightened us that their firm had to come in and kind of fix some mistakes from a previous because everything was four foot lower than it was supposed to be. Uh. And so I, I can see a lot of that happening, and you – that coincides when you, when you get to the park, how much the ground was sinking up and trailers sitting on axles. Oh, yeah. You really can't hold an event of that magnitude and that weight of trailers and people with fresh dirt work and fresh sod. No, and we everybody, all know that. And we, yes, there was no reason for them to host the event there, in my opinion, last year. I think they probably should have put it back at Tiger Lane last year to not cause that and do then you, maybe go down there and Do you not think that Riverside like that. Drive, if you change the layout and the way it goes, you could fit enough teams on there open honest opinion really and truly no i don't i think the judges that you have a lot of older judges you have to cut too many teams that's not going to help with your prize purse or the exposure yeah i think you move it to tiger lane permanently or either shelby farms out there agri center what do you want to call it that's a one way in one way out i don't like that one horrible yeah logistically that's a bad nightmare i think they're building what two or three hotels over there near tiger lane right now there is a lot of new development over there, so if they can, it's a bad that, part of town. Be, but I mean, if we're being I mean, honest, downtown Memphis is, is a bad just part of town in general as, these days. You unfortunately, know, you go from one, one block right. that's perfect, that's a nice area, to one block that's the slums. You know, and that's unfortunately this, the city life of Memphis. Um, it is, and I, I I think that if they can fix Tiger Lane, you know, we've they've 
diluted the contest down where it was 275, 300 teams at one time. Mm-hmm. It diluted down to about 240, then it hit 225, and then we were about 175 teams, right? Yeah. And so I really feel like if they would take Tiger Lane, it's so much space out there, oh, so much parking. A ton of space. There were, there were parking lots blocked off that they never let anybody use the city. That made no sense to me when you were having to park way down the road and walk up, and there's an oh, empty yeah. lot you could have parked in. It, the parking there um, is a disaster, not to mention the security, obviously, of the they, parking. They, well, they were also, even with a 25 wristband, they didn't want to let you come in the one gate yeah. till a certain time. Oh, the gate by you. Well, that didn't help anybody that had to park over on that side mm-hmm. and walk in, and their team was on that so side. So my spot last time we were there was kind of over by you, by the, on that, I guess, was that north side or south side of the – park mm-hmm. um where and there was a nice parking lot there well i bought one of those overpriced parking passes from them i'm sure y'all did as well i never used it and i never used it a single time because it was on the other end of the world you know when you that know? guy tried to flag me down every morning i waved with his ass <laughs> and kept driving yeah. i'm to the point where i don't care i would much rather ask for forgiveness than i have permission these people will say hire for 15 dollars an hour to sit in a chair to stop traffic i'm not waiting on you i'm <laughs> yeah. gonna blow past your ass and you can send somebody after me and they gonna you gonna find out I'm heat. My site's right there. <laughs> yeah, that's where I'm going. Come talk to I me. Mean, I need help. Yeah, come talk. <laughs> I paid twenty thousand dollars to be here. I'm not. No disrespect, but I'm not having you tell me what I need to do. And already, it's in your paperwork what I need. to oh, do. Oh yeah, you know the worst is when they want with the team in that has twenty four hours right there on Saturday morning. That I mean, yeah. you're in crunch time and there's trying well, to get like people in the gate. People you know? trying to get there, kind of like you were saying, parking lots aren't open. You can't come in this parking lot till it was like nine or ten a.m. Yeah, that don't have any. And judging starts at nine. Yeah, I mean, it, it, you know, what it was ten for judging people who didn't have parking passes and that kind of thing. It's it's the little things, the rules they need to fix and amend now, and to help satisfy the teams because let's face it, some of the teams said they wouldn't be back. Oh yeah, some of the teams said they weren't Almost satisfied 10%. with that. And so, and they've lost a lot already. Now is yeah. the time for Memphis and May to fully redeem themselves. And really make this into what it really could be. I agree. I feel like with the right mix and the way that social media has become, mm-hmm. the way influencers has become, uh, the way brands are right now, I really feel like if they restructured themselves, they can make it the largest prize purse in competition history. And, and advertise it, it, it that. Could, it could be a quarter million dollars. Yeah. It, it really could be. Uh, it should be paid out differently. It shouldn't be so heavy on the top end. I, I think, think it should still it should be more than it is now, and then you should pay out down. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, they should definitely go look at all the world championships. What's great about each of them? Why don't they have a winner's row like Houston? Yeah, you know what I mean, where you highlight all your grand champions down one what row, or your first Royal place Lincoln? people, or you know whatever. American Royal calls out what top thirty, top fifty, top twenty. I mean, yeah. that, over top ten for sure. Um, so get more teams. Y'all already know how long awards take there, right? Yeah, I do. But you know what? If you it's just spend that name, money. Yeah, I, no, yeah, I know. You don't have to call them to the stage. That's I right. get what you're saying. Just a quick, we're going to call out 30 through 10. Or 15. Uh, yeah, or we're just going to name them out yeah. just to let you know. That's right. I, I mean, I think it. that yeah. to, to be a, to call yourself top 20 in the world of anything is a, a, an accomplishment. Um, let's, let's give that accomplishment some more respect, you know. Uh, and I think that Memphis and May definitely has a lot of respect, um, but they can make a few minor adjustments to, to really elevate it to the, the highest standard of competition barbecue. Um, yeah. I, I do think that it's going to affect 
the city a lot as far as like tourism and oh, yeah. want, money on that. Hotels. Well, that's what I was going to say. So like when it's downtown, I mean, yeah, there are bad parts of downtown, but there are still hotels that we all would stay at oh, downtown, yeah. yep. even though we live here. I mean, most of us I've stayed a condo downtown. Or a hotel or some but sort. But like at year. Tiger Lane or whatever you want to call it, there's not a hotel. They're building hotels. I get it. But the hotel that's near there now, and I don't mean anything against that hotel, but I'm not staying in that area yeah, of town. I wouldn't either. I mean, I think I drove 15 minutes to Carville. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like most people are going to drive to North Mississippi yeah. or something like that. So that is going to be a lot of revenue lost, I feel like. Definitely. Not to mention the restaurants. I mean, if you're not yeah. downtown, There's are not. you going to go eat at Gus's Fried Chicken? Are no. you going to go to, you know. And I don't even like what's or, near Tiger. I mean, I guess Midtown is kind of not far from yeah, there, but, but it's, it's a different vibe yeah, that a lot of barbecue people may not be. Looking for, <laughs> or aware of Midtown's yeah. even there. You know, yeah. a lot of people True. come out of town. True. They're they're looking. They look at Memphis as downtown Memphis. Yeah, Bill Street. Uh, that's well, that's I, why I think that Memphis and May really is their chance to bring something in the park. Why are you not getting with all your local good restaurants and letting them come in there as vendors? And oh, if should, it's the World uh, Championship, and we've got all these great Memphis barbecue restaurants in Memphis. How come we're not inviting Pains out and Cozy Corner and and all these iconic places, yep. and letting Payne serve a chopped sandwich, letting them Instead serve of cozy corner Cornish hands. Thousand and, different vendors on yeah, Linder Road. We don't want a corn dog. These people want barbecue. Yep. They're coming to yeah. see barbecue. They can't get inside barbecue tents unless they know somebody. But leave the corn dogs for those of us that yeah, don't yeah. want barbecue. That's right. We still need our product. <laughs> we still up. want the yeah. Don't don't go I mean, too but far. You get what I'm saying. Oh, there yeah. is a chance, and I I mean I personally haven't spoke to anyone since the contest was over with that yeah, involved with Memphis, uh, except for uh, the young lady that was, well, well Savannah. I didn't have oh, yeah, yeah. And she is no longer with Memphis in May. I think she went to work somewhere else, oh, according to LinkedIn. I cannot remember. She changed jobs a few months ago. Um, but, yeah, I, I know Kevin and them has got a lot going on down there and trying to figure everything out, Jim. Um, I think that, they, and I, it would benefit them will. to reach out to their teams and let's get a committee together with a, a teams and let's help let, let them – reach out and let's help them make this right. You know what I mean? We can make decisions. As sad as I as hate to say, I agree with you 100%, but I'm going to say that that will never happen for one reason and one reason only. Memphis and May has been around for 30-plus years. Yeah. They've always run it the way they wanted to. They played inside their own sandbox of rules. And just because it's a venue change, I don't really think they're going to take and put in a lot of the team's input to make something um, to, to, change to, to change a bunch yeah. of stuff that's going to cause them chaos. I think yeah. they will have minor changes to the system, you know, as far as logistics go and parking. Well, or change takes time. Oh, yeah, I mean, yeah. uh, but I, I don't think we'll see any major changes for next year's contest because it's going to be hard enough just getting well, structured in there. We're already in October right now. And right. I mean, they don't they don't have a lot of time, honestly, you, for a lot. You, you would think that they kind of have a blueprint of what they expect, and they're just going to mimic yeah. that. That's kind of what I really. They done it of. in a two week time frame before, from the very first time it flooded downtown to convert over. Silly yeah. God, if we've got more than two <laughs> months to plan. I mean, we. My we big gripe was together. how come they didn't have multiple entrances and exits. Yep. They had one completely shut off that nobody ever used that you could have pulled through and to drop people off and just that and then the, the separation between the divisions were very separate. 
I mean, I from rib to hog, it's a – I mean, it, it was twice as far as the park. I think all the ribs should have been in one spot right there where they mm-hmm. had the hogs at. Yeah. That's what I think. All the rib teams could fit right there. I'm sure they had reasoning behind all of their – They did. Yeah, and it's parking. Factors, they, you know, though. Tiger Lane is real partial to their grass. Yeah. I, I don't know if you remember back on the Ducks Unlimited and the other events, Fun Fest, over the years – they were always very much, if you get in the grass at all, you were fine um, and blah, blah, blah. So I, I think that obviously the grass is important to Tiger Lane and a lot of their grassy areas, they don't want these big trailers on, you know. Yeah. Well, and t- like you're saying, there there is so much room there and talking about not having other gates and stuff. I mean, think about how many people it takes to staff something like that. And majority mm-hmm. of them are volunteers. Mm-hmm. So you're only going to have so many volunteers. That's right. So you got to work with what you got. I mean. But overall, at the end of the day, complaining aside, I'll be there regardless. <laughs> I mean, man, I'm in the uh, same boat. It's the one that we're going to do every yeah. year. All the rest of them are kind of like might, might not. But we will be at Memphis. My, my end goal is to do all the, the majors. I think that that would be, if I can go to the SCA world, uh, Houston, I'm still working on that shot to Houston. Um, but the Royal, the Jack, and when you can get into the Jack, I think that that's the goal that I have is just to compete in the majors. We're supposed to go to Houston this year. We've been asked to cook for a team and uh, all that. It'd be new to me, uh, but you, you'll you'll do fine. Yeah. I uh, <laughs> I had an opportunity to go down. I had a smoker, old hickory dropped off. Had all this stuff set up, and the guy who I was taking his spot decided last minute. I decided I'm going to cook this year <laughs> on Friday morning. I mean, I'm, like, there with my everything ready to go. I just walked out. I carried the smoker back to Old Hickory and just went went left. Wow. I talked that about is, you never told me that before. Yeah. I had a, a full deal, full paid deal down in Houston, and uh, that's the only world that I've never competed in, never been to, you know. And, uh, yeah, it definitely was – uh, a shitty time in Houston. I mean, I say a shitty time, but it was a great time. That is an awesome event. Um, and it was actually COVID year. So COVID, it literally, COVID shut the world down and shut Houston Livestock and Rodeo down when we got home. That's where Sarah and I, I think we got our first uh, first dose of the COVID-19. We were actually in Chicago when they said they were going to close O'Hare Airport at 3 p.m. And we flew home at noon. Mm. Uh, and the airport's closing down. We got no home flights and everything was shut down for months. So, crazy yeah. world, isn't it? It was a crazy world. We were sitting in a bar, and they come in and said, told the owner the he bars. had to lock the bar up really? at like, what was it, 6 p.m. or something. The he said, before. I don't have a key. I haven't locked the door in 40 years for a 24-hour establishment. He said, I don't even know where the key's at, sir. Wow. And the cop give him a piece of paper. I'll never forget it. It was kind of wild. It's crazy what the food industry has done yeah. since that moment. Lots of changes. So many changes and, you know, so much growth that everyone in the, the barbecue and the, the food industry in general, you know, it's just it really. Well, I think anybody with a product or a service or a sauce or a glaze or anybody that understood the Internet that, People really search for recipes because all your restaurants were shot down. Oh, yeah. Or shot down. Shut down. <laughs> uh, and so with them being shut down, you had no 
No choice. You know, people working from home, they couldn't go to work. Uh, kids, you know, not at school sometimes. They had no choice but to cook at home. And so let's face it, how many basic meals can you have before you're searching the internet, Pinterest, or right. whatever, looking for something to cook? And if you're a man at home and you have a smoker in the backyard and looking for something to smoke. You're looking for something to smoke and you're gonna be at home all day anyway. You gotta mm-hmm. kill time. You, you you can't go anywhere or do anything really besides run the grocery store. If it was like us, we always went to the store at six AM in the morning. See, uh, and was home by seven to get out of there before any kind of crowd hit. Yeah, and uh, I f- but I feel like the competition aspect of things really changed at that moment too and it's not really it was not what it used to be it's not what it used to be pre-covid and i don't know if that'll ever it will i I don't know if it will ever come back either kendall um i I think covid really you got to think how much of a influx of increase of price we've had in market adjustment as far as inflation goes to go to that contest with gas being four dollars a gallon entry fees hadn't changed yeah they hadn't no, uh, but when that brisket's costing two hundred dollars every week, and mm-hmm. those ribs you're sourcing, oh, you're two thousand dollars in a hole. And you go and, and let's face it, at the end of the day, we were just talking about it a while ago. Being consistent, there's only a handful of teams that stay consistent every week. Yeah, you have random winners at contest, mm-hmm. but the same ones every week when they're honing their skill, they're winning every week and getting calls every week. They might yep. be the overall GC. But they're winning contests. That's right. No, they're competing for wins. And people get flustered by that. Mm-hmm. I mean, and I, I go back to the days when we were running hard and, and winning like that. Oh, it, it, it's intimidating think, to a lot of teams. Well, I'm going to be honest. I think we hurt the NBN yeah. to a point to where I finally said I'm going to be done. And the NBNs took on an influx of a lot of new teams now. Now there's not really one team out there really uh, just dominating that hadn't been over the years. I would say. But one that's coming along strong. I got to give it to him. Oh, Marcio. Marcio is coming along strong. I think that the last team that kind of dominated would have been Nick's Hog a couple years ago. Yeah, I agree. He, he got on one he got dominant on a hot streak. streak um, and he obviously still is, I think. Well, yeah. Dustin got on a hot streak with yep. Rib. Dustin did get a, a hot streak but, with Rib. But I'll, I'll fault all of them, and you want to know why? All of them were cooking two categories and doing very well. Mm-hmm. They went to the third category and, and dropped. Yeah, oh yeah. Dustin as you know, took time a, away from his Rib, which he was doing so good in yep. to convert over to hog and why mm-hmm. and now he's a mixed bag all hogs the time. back let me go ahead and tell you i've cooked six or eight contests this year and there's been no less than maybe 12 hogs uh south haven i think there was 18 pigs we went down to grenada and there's 18 teams 12 hogs um that's I, pretty solid i just hate i get i I like both sides of the NBN, old side, new side, but I do feel like it's really hard to not judge hog on site. I mean, I know finals, yeah. but like even like prelim, as I feel like it's goes. hard to just. Well, there's so many. I don't know. I have there's so feelings. much meat that you can find in a pig. And so you can get away with building a box on a pig that's not. If somebody perfect. don't have enough experience to know yeah. if the ham's in the box yeah. or not, they're not going to exactly. have the ham. Right. Yeah, that's what. Uh, and there's a know. lot of judges that cannot that do not know yep. the difference. I'm going to hurt someone's feelings if they listen to the show by saying that. <laughs> but I have sat at a judging table with judges that have judged for 20-plus years and them not know, like, that was blues hog what? sauce mm-hmm. or that was a certain type of – Just a commercial sauce rib, versus an original. Well, yeah. just a certain type of rib cut or the money muscle cut versus tubes mm-hmm. or pulls. None of them could dis- distinguish between any of that. 
good bite in their eyes, and that's they're just the eating, the day, and that's matters. it. And they're eating with their eyes. That's exactly right. There, that's how they're trained. That's how they're taught. Us as cooks, we're looking at this so much more in depth when we shouldn't be. Yeah. Well, and I do. I mean, this is kind of changing it up, and probably shouldn't even say it, but I do like how KCBS you have the option, like if you want to be a master judge or whatever, you go cook with teams mm-hmm. and all that because then a lot of these judges have never seen that side of it. They just they walk up to teams and kind of see what they're doing, you know, maybe on a Friday or whatever, and then they judge on Saturday. And especially for those judges that have never gotten on site, like never got that experience, oh, yeah. you yep. know, it's it's just different to to just only ever judge. And there's nothing wrong with that, I'm not saying, but I feel like it is a completely different experience being on the other side, you know, coming from cooking with you and even cooking ribs myself at one time you know, you teaching me how to do that and then go and talk about Judge and John David. Are, like, they're mm-hmm. just totally different. Oh, and a lot of your MBN judges have never cooked. And a lot yeah. have. And then they don't know. understand what it takes to go into that. Right. And also, I feel like that those judges that uh, that don't get to go on site, they're missing a lot of knowledge. They're yeah. missing a lot of learning time because when you sit down at a table with Heath or me or John David or whoever yeah. – you're going to learn something about cooking because, I mean, I don't know about your presentation. Mine is educational. Uh, mine's educational, but I've been told that, uh, you know, like I had one younger girl that she'd come back and lose all good, but she told me that I was intimidating her because I knew so much about it, and she didn't. Mm-hmm. And so I've asked myself, am I trying to inform these judges too much on this piece of meat? And so I think that's where the people skills come into play. If you got to read your person that's right. to know how far you need to take that as far as educational goes. If you because got, some of them just want to eat really good barbecue is all they're looking for. And, and see, some a, of them see a barbecue know, personality. That's right. And, and wanted want to go that. back home. Yep. That's yep. it. <laughs> I mean, there's some that, especially at Memphis and May, we've all had the judges that are – uh, there's a lot. There's a wide scale. That's a whole of different judging conversation. Oh, there, you catch that eye roll. Yeah, that one. I mean that was. But yeah, that's I a mean, there's different. some that are the the TV star chasers. There's the yeah. the personality, the influence chasers. There's the people that are the they they want the family small family team to win. You know, so yeah. that's a, a variable that's you know unlike any other at the Memphis and May. And I do wish that. There was more of that on the NBN, but I understand the cost. I mean, I understand the yeah, business no, aspect of it. No, I get it. it. I do know? get it. Well, we um, all know the internet has changed the way everybody looks at the game now. Oh, yeah. 20 years ago, there was nobody teaching barbecue classes, showing you what to do. And now we put it out free on videos, I, and we talk about it. So everybody's game has been stepped up so much over the years. And like me, when I go out and cook a contest now, I'm competing against what I'm teaching people. Oh, the method, yeah. And, and the methods, and, and so I have to try to find a new way. And I'm going to tell you, it's very hard because when we found what was winning, it's still winning today. Yep. Brisket recipes that I give people five years ago are still in the top five of KCBS for the last, every year. And, and that's where I, th- I look at competition barbecue a little different than most. To me, the cream rises to the top. It doesn't necessarily matter what rub profile flavor. When it comes to flavoring a product, that's the small part. The, the hard part is the tenderness, the doneness, yeah. and cooking something perfectly. That's a challenge. Well, we all know. I'm going to end it on this note because we could keep talking all day long on this subject. Tenderness wins contest. A hundred percent. You got to know There's when to pull. There's a lot of good flavors out there as long as you're well-balanced. 
Mm-hmm. It might help if you're using a Heath Riles barbecue rub. I'm going <laughs> to yep. throw that in that's there. That's right. That's right. But all jokes aside, it's not how you start, it's how you finish. you got to know how that meat is going to react to the open air. And so one thing to always remember, a closing tip, make sure your food eats good cold. That's right. Because that's how you win a contest. That's exactly right. Well, Kendall, please tell everybody where they can find you at online if they want to connect with you and hopefully buy some rubs one day. Yeah, uh, smoked and spiced. Uh, that's a smoked in the letter N, spiced. Uh, my wife and I, we have all the major social media platforms. You know, I'm not as active on them as, uh, as y'all are. Uh, but maybe, you know, stay tuned. You never know. Some rubs, some sauces, maybe a brick-and-mortar restaurant one day. And uh, who knows? We'll see what happens next. Well, that'll work. Well, thank you for coming on the show and, and shooting the key with us today. It's always a good time. We can talk about Memphis in May and the circuit and memories made and friends lost and friends gained. That's it, man. Thank <laughs> you all again for having me. And uh, i got a nice place here. Keep up the good work and in, uh, informing everybody on the barbecue world. You know, you're, you're really – you're giving a nice insight to a lot of different things in the cooking world. So uh, keep up the good work. Thank you, Kendall. Yes, sir. All right, now it's time to go into the mailbag segment of our podcast here. So I'm ready to answer if you're ready to ask. All right. How was that chili you made? The chili was good. I liked it. <laughs> Sorry, I had to. All right, I've got five questions for Mailbag today. All right, between the meats that you cook at a KCBS competition, which was the hardest transition from at-home to competition cooking? I would definitely have to say it's either going to be the brisket or the pork butt. And I'm going to say that the pork is probably the hardest because you never know if there's going to be a fat vein or something in the money muscle end when you go to slice it. It's going to crumble on your break. It is such a, a unique piece of meat to work with to get those money muscles right, get them cut, and them to be the right tenderness. So I would definitely say pork is the one meat, and I would say that 90% of most KCBS teams would agree with me, is the hardest to master or convert over from home to competition style. Yeah. All right. What are your thoughts on layering rubs versus blending rubs? Well, I haven't really talked a lot about this. I do love layering rubs. You know, I grew up layering. But also, I like putting down a base coat of like a a AP-type rub, which is my garlic jalapeno for me, is my go-to. And then when it comes to the other rubs on top, if I have two other rubs, I'm fine with mixing them to layer on. But I really want to get that salt, pepper, garlic base down first of what I'm doing, and then it doesn't matter to me. And I know some people, um, I've layered four rubs on before, and I've won team of the year like that. And I kind of changed it to where I would mix three together and then use one on the beginning. And I've won both ways. So, for me, I can't see much of a difference in them. Uh, So, combining the two uh, and maybe keeping one separate, it's totally up to the end user, whatever they want. All right. Do you have a go-to snack for contest day? Like you hardly ever eat on contest day, honestly. Yeah, I really don't eat on contest days. Um, I mean, besides, you know, trying my own food. You know, I try yeah. a bite of the chicken. I try a rib or two that I'm turning in. I try a bite of the money muscles of pulled pork and I always try a bite of brisket. And, and it's usually uh, people are bringing by, you know, their samples, especially if it's somebody close to me cooking that I'm yeah. really good friends with for me to try their meat. 
But I would say if I had to go to anything, it's going to be a V8 energy. I thought of one thing that we used peach to, mango that we always used to have, which we don't anymore. Uh, we used to always keep lemon Oreos around. Remember that? Yes, we did. We always bought lemon Oreos. We haven't done that. We never ate them all. <laughs> no, but we always they would, ate two or three. We'd it's, leave them in the trailer, and then the next cook would come around, and they'd be stale and gross. <laughs> had to throw them away and go get a new pack. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Lemon Oreos was a thing yeah. back then. All right. What is your rub combination that you would recommend for beginner teams who do not want to come in? Dead ass last. I would 100% have to go with my garlic jalapeno and competition rub, and that would be on any meat, chicken, pork, ribs, or brisket. I yeah. think if you was to use that, you would not be dead last in any of the contests if you could cook it to a tenderness level. All right. Last one. What's your mindset before a competition? How do you approach getting yourself locked in? It's pretty simple. If you don't believe in yourself – uh, who will. And so I tell myself when I pull up on the parking lot, everybody's got to beat me that day. And they're not going to tell me any different until whoever's announcing awards don't call my name last. Until that moment, I have won that contest. I mean, you have to tell yourself that and manifest it in your mind. If you're not telling yourself you're any good, you'll never be any good. All right. That's all the questions I have for today. Well, I think that's all I have today. I hope y'all enjoyed tuning in for our podcast at Shooting the Cue. We'll be back next week, of course, with another guest and shooting more cue. Thank you for tuning in to the Shooting the Cue podcast. If you have any comments or suggestions for future episodes, please feel free to reach out to us on our social media channels or through our website. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform. Leave us a review if you enjoyed the show. Until next time, keep shooting the cue.